Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to Fishhawk Live and the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. We're going to be talking reels today with Captain Don Rupert. Captain, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. You're, we're going to talk reels, but uh, you're a charter captain as well. Uh, tell us about your charter and how, how your season went this year. Yes, uh, we're up here on Lake Erie. Uh, we're pretty proud of the walleye fishery that's up here on the eastern basin. Uh, the entire lake, for that matter, is, is obviously what we consider the best in the world. But uh, what we have down here in the eastern basin is incredibly uh, impressive. Uh, deep water fishing at times, late summer stuff. Uh, we're located out of Sunset Bay right on the Cataraugus Creek. Uh, basically, for the guys that know the Eastern Basin, uh, we're basically east of Dunkirk and west of Buffalo, right in the middle. So we got to what we consider the gateway to the Eastern Basin right there at the Cataraugus Creek. All right, Don, uh, your season's kind of wrapped up for the year. What do you do in the off season? We got uh, winter time coming up. What's, what's next for you over the next few months? Uh, well, we're fortunate. We're going to, uh, we're winding down, as you said, you know, the open water trolling season's pretty much wrapping up. Uh, we'll try to sneak in a little archery and deer hunting here, but for the most part, most of the winter, we're going to be able to sneak down to South Florida, get some fishing off the ocean and in the Keys and, and have a little fun down there and, and basically get ready to get back up here for early April and uh, start the uh, Great Lakes season all over again. And yeah, nothing wrong with that, getting down to Florida for the winter time. Uh, Don, we're talking reels today, and you work with Akuma. All of the best captains I've talked to, they all have their favorite brand of reels. They all have their reasons for it. What do you like about Akuma? What, what's, uh, what is it about them that makes you tick? Well, I'll tell you, there's, that would probably take the whole show. But, uh, no, there's, there's a lot of features to the reels, the models, um, for the weekend angler all the way through to the tournament pros, uh, price point considerations. Uh, service, longevity, there, there's so many different things, but I think the overall biggest value is the model range uh, from entry level reels all the way through to high end gear, depending on the level and the expertise of the anglers that are wanting to fish. Uh, there's the right reel and rod combo for any level of angler. So it's uh, a lot of features that overlap between them. And uh, it really gets the ability to have everybody fishing, not just one specific way of fishing high end gear. It's, uh, there's a broad range of equipment from Akuma. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about next. Uh, you know, we're going to focus on line counter reels. That's kind of the common type of reel for trolling the Great Lakes. Akuma has uh, different line counter reels, uh, lots of different models. you got the Classic Pro, Magda Pro, Convector, Coldwater Series. You just talk a little bit about those, those different lines and kind of what the differences are and kind of what the highlights are on, on each of those. Sure, sure, absolutely. As you mentioned, our Classic Pro and our Magna reels, uh, great quality reels. You know, they're good. They're good reels for guys that are just starting out. They're getting used to the open water trolling concepts. They're getting used to understanding drags and capacities. Uh, and it's a great price point reel. It'll get a guy that's just starting out. They'll get them in the game and get them fishing and keeping up with some of the other boats and getting on some of these fish with the applications that come by using these reels. Uh, most of the guys you'll see that have been at it for a while are certainly into the convector range and ultimately our cold water reel, which is our high-end reel. But the universal common ground of them is very similar capacities for the model size. When we look at utilizing a particular reel, 
three common sizes for the Lake Erie walleyes are most popular, and that's going to be your 20 series, your 30 series, and 45 series. And those series are within all the different models, as we mentioned, Classic Pro all the way up to Coldwater. And each of those particular reel sizes have their own application. And we can talk a little bit more about that in detail, but fundamentally understanding the three sizes that they want to begin looking at and then taking it to what do they want to do with them is, is where we can you know, move forward. Yeah, we'll get into those sizes in a minute. Uh, but first, you know, we talked about those different models and talked about going from kind of the beginner to, to the high end. When people are spending the more money, what are they getting for their money? What do you get in something like a cold water that you wouldn't get in, in something that's kind of more, more entry level? Sure, absolutely. The biggest thing is the actual frame itself. Uh, you know, we're going to go from, you know, a, a polycarbonate graphite style frame, and we're going to get up into a machined aluminum as you graduate up into the cold water series. Uh, in addition, you're also getting a, a better performing drag as you move forward into the higher brands, or pardon me, into the higher models. And you have a bigger bearing count as well on that. Um, and there's, a, you know, just overall quality of them is improved as you move up into, into the cold water series. And when you're looking at the walleye fishery, the, the magnet and entry level reels will perform nicely. Um, they'll get the job done. But obviously, when you're looking into bigger fish or tournament fish and, and even moving over to Lake Ontario, uh, the value comes with the better quality, the extra bearings, the smoother drags that come with a little bit more of a capital investment when you move up into you know, that cold water. If you have any questions for Captain Don Rupert, go ahead and drop them in the comments. Whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, we'll be able to see them and get those questions to Captain Don Rupert. Uh, yeah, you talked a little bit about some of those little things there, Don. Tell us a little bit about gear ratio for people who don't understand what that is and how that works. Uh, how does that gear ratio work? Yeah, that's that's a, a big feature. And Okuma, proud to say, developed and has what we call our, our traditional reels speed, which is your retrieve ratio, and also our high-speed reels. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that now. And, you know, your conventional level line trolling reel is really – 4.2 to 1. And what that means is every time you turn that handle, you're going to get one retrieval ratio. Uh, it's basically the rate of speed in which that reel is retrieving your line back on board. So that that conventional 4.2 to 1 retrieve ratio is very typical. It's very common of all the brand of all the models. Um, and then we have the opportunity to move up into our high-speed reels, which increase that retrieve rate. We get that going up into that 6.2 to one retrieve ratio. And that becomes very valuable when you're starting to run long leads, when you're running seven, eight, 10 color and beyond, if you're running some long copper lines or flat wire, uh, being able to bring those long lines in, you know, at a faster rate is uh, a lot of value to it. So the, the high speeds are, are really kind of taking over. Uh, one thing that should be said between, you know, the conventional 4.2 to one and the high speed 6.2 to one is with walleyes, they're a bit sensitive, as most guys know, in the sense that you, you can't horse them, especially the bigger fish. We are fishing with lighter lines. And a lot of guys, you have to really learn or teach yourself to slow down your retrieve ratio, or your retrieve rate, I should say. And what I mean by that is how fast you're actually turning the handle on the reel. You, you need to slow it down a little bit because that high-speed reel will actually pull a little too hard at times, and you can dislodge that hook at times, especially when the fish go through their Sore mouth face, but 
for the most part, that high-speed reel has tremendous value when you're fishing deep water walleyes and you need to get long leads in fast. All right, Don, uh, you talked about sizes and you kind of wanted to, to get into a little bit about those different sizes and what are the advantages and disadvantages to going to uh, a bigger reel compared to one of the smaller ones. Can you kind of break some of that down for us? Sure. As we mentioned, Chris, you know, we have a multitude of different sizes throughout all of our freshwater range and even into our saltwater that will overlap at times. But for the guy that's going to want to go out in the off season, set up a, a new boat ride, if you will, new rods, new reels, he's going to look at that 20, 30, and 45 class reel. And it really just comes down to comfort, um, the, the, the ability to handle the rod and reel on the water, difficult seas. Sometimes you can put a rod and reel together. That's way too large for what we're fishing. So when we look at those three classes of reels, we'll typically outfit our downrigger packages with the 20 series or 20 size um, reel. It's, uh, it's not a, a reel that's going to actually be getting any type of a screamer type of a, of a result from the fish like you would on like Ontario, but it gives you a nice compact reel, very user friendly on the rod. Uh, you put it on a, a medium, medium light size rod for the walleyes on a downrigger. It's a lot of fun, very effective, very comfortable to fish. When we look at the most common choice that can kind of become the universal reel for all of the applications would be your next step up. That would be your 30 series reel. And that reel, you can do everything with for the most part. You're going to be able to downrig, as we talked about, just with a little more capacity. And that reel then can function if you go into different fisheries, such as Lake Ontario for salmon and trout, things of that nature. But more importantly, that 30 series will let you effectively run your Dipsy Diver program. It will allow you to run more than half of what we would consider the lead core applications having the capacity to house one through five colors on that 30 series reel and also run copper. We'll do 100, 150 and 200 copper packages on that 30 reel, as well as flatlining. You know, you could put the full mono on that. You could put uh, wire, which is becoming a popular way to troll a flatline as well. So that 30 series kind of fits, again, the, the most common overall application. It's always a good choice. And then we mentioned that 45 series. And that 45 series reel, obviously the biggest of the three that we're talking about, gives you that extra capacity. That reel we're using specifically for six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 color packages will fit on that 45. And we can also run 300 foot copper on that 45 with the ample amount of backing that we do require. So that takes you to kind of more of the deeper water presentation um, from, you know, the trolling perspective of what that reel will give you. We also have a 55 series reel, which really isn't something we utilize on Lake Erie too often or need to for the walleyes, but it is the biggest one that we would make in that cold water or the trolling range series we've talked about. Uh, that one really kind of has its home more, more so for up on Lake Ontario or the deeper guys that are fishing for the salmon stuff. But again, that 20 for low capacity, comfort, very popular. Uh, some guys will even run their shallow dipsies with that same thing with some braid on that 20. But again, that mid-range, that 30 series reel is, uh, is the most common, 45 as you need to go higher and, and house more like curve. But uh, throughout all of them, I think the common takeaway there, Chris, is, you know, the, there is the option to get them with or without a line counter. And, and truly, you know, for maybe a dollar or two or whatever the price difference might be from your retailer, there's really no reason 
to fundamentally buy that reel without that line collar. It just gives you that great feature of repeatability, and, and that's critical for the walleyes. Yeah, I think a guy like you that's a that's a, a charter captain, it's nice for those customers to know if they got they got a big one on there, how much more line they got to reel in, right? <laughs> it, it does get them excited when they look, and then they, actually sometimes it maybe discourages them when it's a 10 color and they look and they still have 300 to go. But uh, <laughs> we do have fun with it. We do have fun with it. So you, you talked about using that 20 series uh, on your downrigger rods for walleyes. Uh, if it was someone setting up for salmon or Lakers, would they probably go with the 30 there on the on the riggers? Yeah, if, if you see a little bit of universal um, opportunity for your anglers and, and they want to, you know, broaden their horizon and get up on some different fisheries, again, going to that 30 series reel is going to offer that. You know, fill that thing full. It's, you'll use, you'll have more than you would never need for the Lake Erie walleyes, and then you still have ample coverage for, you know, for some of those screaming reels where you need that capacity for those kings and, and steelhead. And you talked about, uh, you know, that braid being something that you can, you can get a lot of braid on a reel. Uh, can you kind of talk about the line and, and how, what type of line you use really affects the capacity of the reels? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, especially when it comes to lead core, lead core is a bulky line in its own right. It takes up a tremendous amount of space on the reel. And to fish them properly, you need to be able to get that lead core in the water, you know, get that entire lead core amount in the water. So it requires to have ample backing as we call it. And when you look at the size of the diameter of a traditional lead core, and in our case, we're fishing with 27 pound uh, lead core. It fits us very well for the walleyes. It gives us a sink rate that we want. Uh, it holds up enough when we transition up into Lake Ontario, but it's a great universal 25, 27 pound test uh, lead core. But to fish that properly, you have to have the right backing put on, and that's where we fundamentally only use braid. And it's because of the diameter per brake strength. It fundamentally has uh, such a thin uh, diameter compared to the equivalent brake strength of mono. We're running 30 pound test braid, and it could be any of your retailer's favorite lines that you might like, Fireline, Power Pro, so on and so forth. But that diameter of 30 pound test fit very well when developing a lead core package on any of the Okuma reels. So that braid is very, very important. All right. Uh, we got a question coming in from Larry Dyshaw, and Larry watches uh, just about every week, and he'd like to know if you run dead-eye rods with your 20s reels. We do, Larry. Great question, and, and thanks for that. Um, yes, you know, that, that, that brings up really another great conversation uh, when it comes to running lead core, and we absolutely love our 8'6 dead-eye telescoping reels. It's a one-piece reel. It will extend out to that eight foot six, provide that medium action that we like so much uh, for the Lake Erie walleye, but then also, uh, you know, it consolidates down to just over six feet for easy storage for any size boat. So it's got a great couple of unique features to it. Uh, the guides on it, the very tip of the, uh, the rod is built to, you know, be robust enough to handle that core copper and wire. So yes, indeed, we do run that eight foot six medium telescoping rod exclusively for all of our flatline rods, all of our lead core, all of our copper. All right, uh, Fishhawk, kind of the purpose of our product is is to be able to, to help people kind of find the best spot for fish and to be able to replicate that. And I think uh, with reels, you need to be able to do that as well. And I think we should get into calibration and kind of how that works. And first of all, Don, why is it important to calibrate your reels? Ultimately, it brings us back to repeatability. 
um, you know, walleyes are, are a fish that, you know, we need to, you catch one, you catch two. We want to be able to replicate that time and time again. That's the pattern of the day. And that's the feature that's given to you by utilizing, you know, that line counter. One key thing that I see guys making, uh, maybe the most common mistake when it comes to using their line counters is I will see many reels only filled halfway, half spooled or not universal throughout what's on their boat. They might have one three-quarter spool. They might have one, they might have had a bad day, lost half of it, they haven't changed it. The calibration now of that line count is completely different. It's not going to match if you were to want, run one on each side of the boat. Um, the line counter is counting on that reel being absolutely full from your arbor all the way to your tapered top capacity of your spool. That's where you want all of your reels to be outfitted. And we can talk about some of the line configurations, especially with lead core, on how to do that and how to fill them up uh, perfectly each and every time. It's, it's relatively easy to do, but it's just a trick that really needs to be shared with everybody because, again, having full spools means everything for the calibration of that line counter. Yeah, let's, let's get into that. Um, first, let's just kind of talk a little bit about how do you calibrate your reels? What's the best way to do that and get them set up so that everything is, is the same? Well, if we talk a little bit about the lead core and, you know, that's if we look at our total fish catch rate for the year, 80 percent of our fish are on our lead core program. So we put a lot of time on figuring out on what it takes to actually fill. Again, we'll go to the 30 class series reel. So it is that calibration. It is consistent with the other reels that we're running. The first thing that we have to do is you have to look at setting what we call our anchor line. Our anchor line is put on first. It's the very first section of line that you're going to put on that reel. The arbor does not have an arbor post, so you don't have anywhere to tie uh, to that arbor width. So we start with a cinch knot, and this is going to be monofilament. So step number one for the guys that are taking notes would be to put on 25 feet of any type of mono, it's not critical. This is just the anchor that you're putting on that reel before we put that back around. So we start with 25 feet of 20 pound test mono. It'll be three or four passes of your level line. It'll cover your arbor completely. And that's gonna give you the foundation you need to now begin building that full spool to check that calibration. The second step after we get that 20 pound test anchor put on that reel, we then bring that braid on that we talked about. And in many cases, if you're going to be fishing lead core from one color to five color, we typically will put on a 125 yard filler spool of braid. You can buy braid in bulk, but basically you're looking at 375 feet to 400 feet of backing of that 30 pound test braid is going to go on. From there, what we're going to do is we'll talk about five color. Five color is probably the most universal lead core package that's out there right now. It's, it facilitates a lot of our fishing throughout most of our summer down here on the Eastern Basin. It's very popular in other lakes as well. So if we talk about that five color, that would then go on next. That would go right on top of the braid. We can talk about how we terminate and connect those as we progress through today's discussions. But put, put that five color right on top of that 400 feet of, of braid. And then from there, you're gonna have a combination of leaders coming off the back end, which is gonna to equate to about 75 uh, feet in total, but that gives you 500 feet essentially of almost everything you need on that reel. That will be again the four main contact points: your anchor line, your braid for backing, your five color, and then your front end leaders 
and terminal stuff that you'll have there. And that will give you that full spool that we talked about. And then what we do is we can actually take the time, and there's times we'll go to a Walmart parking lot, we'll go to a buddy's yard, and we'll stretch them out and actually check the retrieve ratios of all the reels and make sure that the line counters are set and zeroed and turning equally and making sure that they match. Uh, there is some serviceability within the reels. Uh, typically, we like to recommend that we'll go back to a Puma 4, but there are, gear, there are gear mechanisms in the line counters that fundamentally provide that line counter to turn and to give you that calibrated number that you're looking for. And when all of our reels match and those retrieves are the same, we know we're calibrating, we're ready to fish. Yeah, what do you do if they don't match, Don? Let's say we, we stretch that line out and we reel it up and we found out maybe one of them is 20 feet different than the other one. What do you do at that point? Yeah, typically what we're seeing there, Chris, is as any gear mechanism, uh, there might be a tooth broken. It might be out of alignment. Um, everyone's seen at times where maybe that line counter isn't turning and it's, you know, your reel's turning, you're retrieving line, but that line counter isn't. Uh, for the most part, again, one of the values to Akuma is the service department. The guys in Southern California are first class. I would recommend sending them to them or look at one of our authorized dealers. We've got them around the Great Lakes, around the country. But fundamentally, get that in there for service. Get that gearing and that line counter reorganized and tidied up a little bit to make sure that they're, they're meshed properly and moving and always turning that line counter as they should be. Now, is this something, Don, that, that you need to do every year? I mean... You're talking about filling an entire spool, and let's say, you know, at the end of the season, I've got one rod that's kind of, you know, maybe I've, I've been, been bitten off a few different times on that one, and on the other ones I haven't. You know, at the end of the year, is this something that you got to go through and empty those spools out and kind of redo everything to start for the next season? Yeah, you know, Chris, it really does become something that, you know, if, if you've got 10 rods in your arsenal or you've got 40 like some charter boats, uh, going back and just refreshing them is critical. Um, sometimes, you know, when we're underway on a charter or a tournament, you just have to make do and, and put things together and they're truly not balanced. You know, you can stick handle, as we call it, and get through the day or the weekend or the trip, but we know that it's truly not married with the rest of the rods. And if you leave it that way, come back next spring, you really lost contact with how was that rod set up? How did that one work? Didn't we have a problem with it? Wasn't that one off? Or did we splice that? So we're going through that stage right now. Uh, that's exactly what my team and I are doing is we're going through all the rods that we know had issues that we have to. And we definitely spool them off and get them back up. So, again, they all marry and we pull them down the, the, the yard or the, the Walmart parking lot and make sure they're balanced. And that way we know come spring everything's dialed in. Again, it gets back to that repeatability and, and the ability to, you know, continue on with that white. If it's working one way on that five color to, to do it again with the other rods. So you're talking about blending a lot of different lines between the mono and the braid and the lead color, lead core, and and then your leader. How do you marry all those together? You talked about knots. Uh, what what do those knots look like, and kind of what are you doing to get everything to work the way it should work? Sure, sure. That's this is a part of the conversation that is sometimes hard to visually show. So I've got some stuff here that might help the audience really see kind of how we're doing that. But fundamentally, that first stage, that anchor line, that 20-pound test, 25 feet, three or four passes across that arbor, that's nothing more than a cinch knot that we just cinch right down. And once we get one revolution, it tightens up for that model to continue to pass through. Then the alignment of the braid to that anchor line is just a uni-to-uni -uni knot. Very, very easy, very user-friendly. I think even entry-level anglers understand what that knot is. 
If not, there's hundreds of versions. You can see it online. It's very simple not to do. You're joining the two lines and you're just pulling that tight. So now you have the, a very simple connection between your anchor line and your braid. Once you put that 125 yards of backing on your reel, now you're ready to kind of become a little bit uh, more technical in the knots that are required. When you're connecting the braid to, and that's the backer, to the front end of your lead coil, you're now ready to marry those two. We do the exact same thing with the uni to uni knot. But the important thing that we want to do there is we take the lead coil, and I know your audience might not see this, um, but fundamentally, this is a 27-pound stealth core. What you're going to do is you're going to slip out. And what I've done there is I've just pulled out about 8 inches of the lead core. It just snips off. You discard that into your, your waste bucket. And then you now have basically the nylon, nylon coating of that lead core. And we take that back end of the braid. And we fundamentally like to do an insertion knot. So now what you have is you actually have a hollowed out nylon cover of that lead core. And to make it a little easier on your audience, this cord here is maybe a better way to just use it for a demonstration. But the first thing you want to do is just put an overhand knot in it, and you're not going to cinch on it. And this is what you're doing with that lead core. And again, what you're left with is this end right here being hollow. And what you're going to do is take that braid end and you're going to insert it right in that nylon sleeve. It sounds a lot harder than it is. It's a very easy thing to do. We actually like the Fireline 30-pound test smoke. It's very stiff and it will hold and it will slide right inside. And then what you're doing with that lead cord is you're simply going to work that knot down and you're going to cinch that knot because fundamentally what you have is that braid going in through that knot and it's locked in there. And you have a very, very almost unnoticeable knot connecting the back end of that lead core to your backer. So now you fundamentally have done that, put it on, put your lead core on your reel. Now you're on the back end or the front end, let me say, of your lead core, doing the exact same thing, pulling out about eight inches. Then we talk about the leader. This is the front leader. Do the exact same thing. Typically 17, 20 pound test leader. Um, we, we love to use fluorocarbon or fluorocarbon guys. It does not have to be fluorocarbon. You can use a traditional mono if you like, but the same concept of removing that eight inch tag of the lead on the inside of that lead core, again, putting a overhand knot upstream, feeding that 20 pound test fluorocarbon monofilament in there and cinching it down. Now we have two content points where you're connected to your backer and you're connected to your front leader. And these knots, again, are, are something you barely could feel. They're very, very tight. They pass easily through all the guides, carry right through the level line of the wheel. It really becomes a uniform one line package together from the anchor line to the backer to your lead core to your front leader. When we get to the back end of your front leader, Chris, we now have a section of about five feet, and that where we always, always will utilize fluorocarbon. You're going to have a, a, a micro swivel, a barrel swivel at the end of that front leader. You'll have a five foot length and then at the end of that five foot length we typically use a dual lock uh, for that and that's our terminating tackle that will connect to your lure and that's ultimately the presentation so just having a feel and some practice great time of year to do stuff like that you know if it's too cold to be outside you can have some some scrap lead core and, and practice those knots they're very very easy and once you get the hang of it it's, uh, it's a very user-friendly low hardware type of an application and, and it's a great way to set it up 
Well, I appreciate you kind of going through that and showing that off. And like you said, there's a ton of videos on YouTube on, on really how to do that. But uh, you gave us a nice demonstration there, kind of showing that off. And I think you did forget to mention probably the most important tool in doing that, especially for guys our age, is going to be a nice pair of readers. <laughs> how very true. How very true. I struggle with admitting that, Chris. But yes, it's, uh, it's creeping up on us, buddy. Yeah, I'm getting getting to the point now when I set my ice fishing rods, I can't even tie a, tie a jig on anymore without them. So uh, we're we're getting to that age. Uh, but you broke down a really a really good uh, little session there and kind of showed things off as far as the lead core. How about let's just go to to your to your um, downrigger rods. How are you kind of filling those reels and and getting those things ready and and making sure that obviously with the line counter it's not as important with those reels, but uh, just kind of making sure that your spools are filled. What are you using there and how are you going about doing that? Yeah, that's, um, you know, again, just keeping the consistency, you know, on your boat is key. And, you know, even today, Dunriggers really aren't perceived as a mainstay in the walleye fishing. But at our end of the lake, you know, we're the deepest part of Lake Erie. I mean, we'll be fishing 90 feet down in some, in some cases. Uh, so we have the opportunity to go deep. So when we do our Dunrigger rods, we're basically going to utilize just mono. We're going to fill it 100% with, with monofilament. And, you know, right now we've been having a tremendous amount of success with Blood Run 16 pound test green. Uh, it's a great, it just seems to disappear well for us. It gets very little spooking interaction for us. We see, and we watch the action on the, on the electronics, but we just simply fill that reel to capacity with the monofilament. We don't need to do, you know, a, a combination such as the lead core stuff. So it's strictly filling up monofilament. But again, coming back to, if you're going to run two rods, one on each side, fill them to the exact same amount with, you know, with that reel. And, and again, even utilize that line counter on your downriggers. It'll help you maintain consistency if you find a bite a specific distance back from the downrigger ball. So if you catch, if you, you might find that an 80 foot lead off that downrigger ball is, is taking three times the fish then that that 120 foot lead that uh, gives you the ability to again get back to that repeatability that's so important you talked a little bit earlier about you know you're out there and sometimes things happen on boats you lose some line how much does that affect your program when you've got a rod that maybe you know you lose 20 feet and, and that how does that throw off kind of your system and, and how much would that change the dynamic of the line counter and being able to be consistent with the other rods and reels on the boat yeah, the, the sheer massive line on the reel, on that arbor, all the way up to its capacity, reflects how fast that line counter is going to be turning and what represents how much line is out. 20 feet, you could probably manage by adjusting, letting a little more out or reeling a little more in to stay within what that original program was. But we definitely will notice a 50-foot difference in a line loss, whether it was a leader, a 75-foot leader, and we got half of it left or just a third of it left makes a tremendous amount of difference. Um, those are the details that over the years we have found to be most important. And when you just accept it and just say that's good enough, that's typically when you're that one or two fish short of a tournament or maybe a couple fish short of a full box for a charter. So devil's in the details, as they say, and it does make a big difference to be conscious of when you do take off 20 feet of a leader uh, from a tangle or a cutoff or anything that might happen out there. Just being conscious of, hey, let's tie one in together, unit to unit, and get back to that original length. That's what's working, and get back again to that repeatability of, of what's productive. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, and that was kind of something I wanted to ask you. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that don't even bother bother with calibrating their reels, and they just kind of run them. And, and I think what you brought up there is that, you know, the difference between the, the guys who go out and catch a few fish and the guys who are consistently filling boxes, you know, it's in those in those details. Absolutely is. Mm-hmm. All right, Don, uh, is there something about reels? And I know uh, there's probably millions of things that we didn't cover, but I think we we kind of got into to most of it. Is there something that you wanted to talk about today that I didn't ask you about? You know, we, we, I think this kind of comes back to Larry's question. Uh, we, he asked about that dead-eye rod. And, you know, one thing that we find, you know, obviously with Lake Erie or all the Great Lakes, you have really two primary choices, big boards, which are still used. Um, but, you know, the, the inline boards, such as the offshore tackle boards, are, are prominent. You know, they're, they're the way to fish now. Um, so user-friendly. But when it comes to selecting the reels, we talked a little about that, selecting the rods when you're running multiple boards off of one side. Uh, I see a lot of guys will run a variety of rods. And not to say that that's bad, but going back to those details, if you're going to run three planter boards off one side, you really want those rods to be uniform, to be the same rods. So what happens is when when your trees are loaded with your three rods, your boards are engaged, your rod tips are working in unison with your boards as being indicators. Uh, when you have the same actions all working together as you're moving through the water, uh, your rods will start to signal if you picked up a non-target species, like a silver bass, something that's not really going to take that board and give you that full identification if there's a fish on but your rod tip will show it. And if you have the same rod models and actions in a system, you can see that just within the tip. You'll see one tip working way differently than the other two. It's a great strategy. It's, it's a great technique. Uh, you'll see most of the guys that are fishing often are, are using that, but it's definitely a difference between pulling a, a perch or a sheephead around for three hours when you never knew he was there as to when you, you recognize it, you get that in, you get that board back engaged and, and have a target species come aboard instead of that sheephead or anything else you don't want. So that eight foot six, you know, or if you have a different model that you like, you know, some guys will run seven sixes, even eights, but having the same action is important in the rod selection when setting your boards up to each side. Yeah, that's a great tip. I think uh, the people that I've always gone out say it, it should look like harmony. Everything should look the same there. And if something's off, then there's probably something on that rod. And that's a good way to good way to find it. Uh, Don, you know, you talked about going out of Sunrise Bay and your tournament that you run there is near and dear to your heart. So I'd uh, love to hear about that and what you've got going on with, with the Sunrise Bay shootout. Yeah, Chris, it's, uh, I can't believe we're 12 years into this already. Uh, it just seems like yesterday that we kicked this thing off, but uh, we're, we're very proud. And I, I say we um, because it's, it's a tremendous effort. It takes all year to put together the Sunset Bay Walleye Shootout, and, and we're very proud of it. You know, my entire team dedicates time all year to just build this to what it's become. And, you know, just the community, you know, within Sunset Bay, just tremendous people, 40 volunteers or more that kick in from all different ways of what's needed to get the workload done, to get that stage built, to do the fish handling and everything we're doing. Uh, we're pretty excited. Um, we're, we are expanding again this year. We are t- taking it up. Uh, last year we had scheduled for 150 boats and we have anglers coming in from 24 states. So nearly half the country is present, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we are gonna expand it to 200 boats and that's where we're gonna cap it. Uh, we're very, very fortunate. I'm very excited. We're going to get to see our Canadian friends coming back over. Uh, we've got two dozen boats coming from that side of the lake to join us. 
uh, now that the pandemic has kind of uh, opened things back up here a bit and gotten behind us. We're going to have them back. But, uh, you know, we're very proud of the payouts. You know, this year, come I say this year for 2022, uh, we're looking at cresting close to a half a million dollars for one weekend of fishing. Uh, we're very excited. The venue is fabulous. The, the community is amazing. As I mentioned early on, Cataraugus Creek is truly the gateway to the Lake Erie walleye fishery on the eastern basin. And uh, it's just a, a lot of fun, a lot of camaraderie. Uh, great environment, atmosphere, the venue all the way through, and, and the competition is, is second to none. It's, it's truly a lot of fun. And, and we do a live weigh-in show, and we kind of pulled what we call together this hot seat, which is kind of fun. Uh, essentially what that means is the team comes up, uh, basically team number one can say they're at least leading because they're going to be the first box, and they're going to sit up on stage with us until the following weight or the next week, whether it's the next boat or 10 boats down the line have something bigger and bump them off. And fundamentally, the, the last team standing is, is crowned that year, Sunset Bay Walleye Shootout Champions. So it's kind of an exciting way in. Um, a lot of emotion, a lot of high fives, a lot of hugs. It's um, it's a lot of fun. The competition is is first class. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. A lot, a lot of money in the purse. I know you guys have a ton of prizes and everything, too. Uh, people want to find out more about that tournament. How do they find it? They can, they can go direct to the tournament website. Just any search engine will get you there. Sunset Bay Walleye Shootout. It's always the third Saturday of July. This year it'll be the 16th. And as I mentioned, we're expanding. The expansion teams are, are based on a first-come, first-served basis. So reach out to us. Uh, you can always email me direct at donaldjrupert at yahoo.com. Or you can call or text just the same, 716-435-4137. Love to have a chat with you and get to the information you need. We, we actually, Chris, have our 22 tournament package coming out here mid-November. So that's how far ahead we get the tournament details out to the fleet. Um, and if anyone would like a copy of that, we send out a, a professional printed copy of that. It's, it's a magazine, if you will, and, and that will get sent out to anybody that would like to see it. Again, it gives you all the details uh, to next year's events. And uh, as the season progresses, as we get through the shows, as we get to see with the show season and the different things, um, new sponsors come aboard. We do a newsletter, and then do we do a pre-tournament issue as well. So it's uh, all year getting ready for it, and we really can't wait for next year now that this pandemic's behind us and everyone's going to be back having, having to it. If people want to hook up with Captain Don to do some fishing with them, you can find them at those same places and just look them up at Wave Tamer Sport Fishing. And a uh, really good website. Everything's all there for you. Lots of information. And Captain Don, really appreciate you taking time out to, to do this with us today. It was awesome. I think uh, I know I learned a lot. And I hope the audience did as well. Uh, Chris, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to see you and, and have coming aboard for your, for your podcast. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Thanks, Don. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.